Welcome to the Power Women in Insurance Show with your host, Teresa Kitchens. Join us as we laugh, talk about hard issues, support each other, and make our industry and our world a better place. Let's go. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another amazing episode of the Power of Women in Insurance. My name is Teresa. Sometimes I completely forget to tell you all that, but my name is Teresa Kitchens. I get so excited about our guests that I just jump into being able to talk to them. So sometimes I forget to tell you, but I wanted to welcome you personally back to the Power of Women in Insurance podcast. And today we have a good friend of mine, Jessica, and she is Halfway across the country from me, I'm in Texas, she's up in Washington, but we rub shoulders quite a bit in a lot of the same circles, in a lot of the same areas, a lot of the same communities, and she is doing amazing things. She's got a beautiful family, if you check her out on Instagram or online, and she is doing some awesome stuff. So Jessica, welcome to the podcast. How are you? So good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, Jessica, tell us a little bit about you, how you got into the insurance space a little bit, and uh, maybe a little bit about your agency. Yeah. So uh, like many of you, I uh, just kind of fell into the insurance space. I didn't plan to be an insurance agent um, when I was younger. That wasn't my dream, Uh, but I got in when I was 19. So I was recruited by an American family agent. And um, my whole family was in real estate. And he just said, you know, you have such a raw natural market. Um, I'd love for you to come and do some sales. And uh, so we started out as a CSR at American Family for a short period of time and then started selling. And then um, he and then I started my own agency with American Family and did that for a few years, uh, transitioned to leadership and then decided that leadership wasn't the right path for me to continue on um, and wanted a bit more control over the business aspect and, you know, call my own shots and then launched PCRG Insurance and an independent brokerage. And that's where we're at now. I love it. I love it. And have you always been up in the Washington area or um, tell us a bit about how you, you know, you, you have, you have structured your agency. Cause I think you and I have some similarities in this, but I always love, love to be able to hear how other agencies are doing it. Yeah, no. Um, so I no, I haven't. So I'm born and raised in Utah and my husband and I actually met, he's in the industry as well on the financial services side. And we met at an industry conference, um, in Orlando. And after a while of dating and realizing that this was actually going to go somewhere, Um, Neither of us could start over. So Mm. we actually continued to build our practices, um, his in Washington. And that's how we kind of ended up in Washington and mine in Utah. So we actually bounced back and forth um, between Utah and Washington. Majority of my service team is ran out of Utah. And then we've, you know, built the sales team. But that's, that's how, you know, I got into Washington. And yeah, I had to learn to build a market in a state that I was completely new in and only knew my husband really. And um, that's the rest is history. We just continue to to go back and forth because both of us, I guess, were too established and too selfish to start over. No. <laughs> I love it though, because what you did was you took 
your life and you're able to build your agency around your life to some degree to where then you're able to pivot and to shift to that way you still got what you really wanted out of life, which was to be, of course, with your husband, but then for y'all to be able to spend time in Washington and in Utah to be able to, to connect both sides of your conversation in your life. And I think that's awesome. And I find that a lot of people who do have a virtual agency do it almost out of a situation, out of necessity, because something happens and they go, oh, well, I could work from there part-time or whatever. Then all of a sudden it's so I could work full-time from there or go back and forth or whatever. So um, do you have a physical office or like in Utah or you don't have an office at all? Does everybody work from home? Yep. Everybody works from home. We we did have physical offices and then post-COVID shut them down and no more. Everybody Did you find that that was hard? Um, cause like, cause I'm, I'm pretty much virtual, but I purchased an agency in Austin a couple of years ago to a little bit over two years ago. And they have an agent. Uh, we have a location down in Austin. I do technically have an office here in Dallas as well, but we're never there. And, um, Dallas, nobody cares. Like nobody cares. Nobody ever asked to come in. It's not a thing. Everybody just calls, pays their bill. It's not a big deal. Nobody ever wants to come in except for area reps. But in Austin, it's like, and it's technically a little town. It's not really a little town. It's like a suburb of Austin. It's it's directly like connected. It's there's no space between it and Austin. Um, but in Austin, they care a lot more, which is very interesting. It's also an older book, like the people are older. So I think that has a lot to do with it. But did you have any pushback by being able to release a physical location either from your team or from your clients? Uh, definitely not from my team. My team was thrilled. Um, the The spaces that we had were more touchdown spaces and nobody had like their own designated office or anything like that. And so it wasn't a routine for them to come in. They maybe had, you know, one or two days a week that they would come in. And I think because of that, because we were really by appointment only, we didn't have a tenured book because we started scratch, um, in, at least in Washington in 2016. So we didn't have a tenured book that was used to coming in and paying. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we did set the prisons that it was, we were an online office, even though we had those touchdown spaces for certain clients. So we, we didn't go through the growing pains of transitioning to fully remote um, that I would assume some like a, a seasoned agency that has a, you know, an older client base or they've just been operating like that for many years. I think that would be a much bigger challenge um, because you're you're not only, you know, getting rid of your office, state, but you're retraining your book of business essentially to do business differently. And we just didn't we didn't experience that. Yeah. Yeah. So we haven't had too many problems with it. And honestly, it's only like. I don't know, maybe one person a month, maybe that even asks if they can come in. So it's not really that big of a deal, but it is one of those things where certain people care, I guess. Yeah, you know? but we do get, because we specialize in the high net worth space. And so we do get clients that say they want to work with an, an agency, a local or a physical yeah. office. And if if they're not okay with us going to them and doing, you know, an inspection of the home and meeting with them in person that way, we simply just have to tell them that we're just not going to be a good fit because uh, we know we're going to end up losing that business anyway. So it it, ha- it has come with, we have lost some bat bats by not okay. having a physical office. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I almost feel like give it another five years and people are going to be super accustomed to the whole virtual office anyway. I mean, there's so many businesses that have like after COVID, they haven't gone back into in-person. There's so many, um, like my, my daughter-in-law worked for fossil for a number of years, like, you know, the, the jewelry company, whatever the retail store. And, um, they went virtual well during COVID and now they're back two days a week. So, I mean, they're still not a hundred percent back. Right. Um, same thing with a lot of other companies, even outside the insurance space. So I think we're going to find that it's not that big of a deal. And we've, we've, a lot of people are going to release that expectation, I think. And I think hopefully we'll see that here in the next two years, you know, because we're, because we're post post COVID, but at the same point, you know, people are still asking that question. Are we going to go back to the office? Are we not? And some companies aren't, some companies aren't, and some companies are hybrid and, um, and everything. But I do think it's changing our workforce. I think it's changing what people want and what to expect. And de- most definitely the questions we have to ask mm-hmm. while interviewing and, uh, even the type of person we need to be able to pick because of that kind of an environment. Yeah, no, I mean, that's definitely important to me when hiring is, you know, trying to get a feel for if they can, you know, because there's just certain people that they they like to think they can work well from home. But um, any task and every task is is calling them and pulling them away. And it's just not it's just not for some people and being a remote, remote agency and bringing people in that are new and like and training and developing them. There's a lot of, on my end, I have to release the reins a lot, right. And trust that they're, that they're getting their tasks done and, and working when they're supposed to be working. Mm -hmm. And, but the only way to do that is to recruit correctly ask the questions, make sure you're bringing people in that can work from home and can manage their time and, um, and, and trust, right. (laughs) Communication too. I find that that when people are virtual, some people just go, yep, nope. Okay. And that's their communications file. Like, cause we, we have chat, right. All day long. So we're going back and forth by chat. And sometimes people are like, yep, nope. And I'm like, that does not answer my question, you know, kind of thing. Like I asked you, did you get this done? Yes. And then I need to know what did you, you know, I, I and I, I don't mean to micromanage, but I don't want to have to go back and, and look at the file to make sure you did this, 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 and this, right. I just want you to give me a quick little bullet that, yes, I got these done, especially whenever I give somebody like uh, I delegate something. I just want to know that it's done and knowing that it's done for me is not a yes. And silence. <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't do it for me and I found that and you and I are a little bit different in that because I um it's funny because my team several members will will message me back and be like done 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 and I sometimes have to be like you are clouding up my inbox because if I'm going to assign you a task, I'm going to assume that you're going to do it so yeah. don't message me back and say done because I, I just, I'm going to trust that you get it done. See, and I agree with that. Maybe it's because, uh, my team has generally been my team before COVID. So like we went virtual together, if that makes sense. Um, we were kind of sort of virtual to begin with. We already set up to be able to be virtual because, um, back in 2014, I had my children had some health situations and I needed to be available for them during that time. And so we've already had the, you know, the Ring Central app on our phones. We were already working off of 
a laptop so that we could take it with us and I could work wherever I needed to go. And it was just, I think it was just using people that were used to that physical presence in the office that then when they went virtual, I assumed some things were done a couple of times and things weren't. And I have learned that this person may tell me it's done or may not even communicate with me, but this person specifically wasn't doing all the steps to get all the pieces done. And so now that person is no longer with me. So that's okay. You know, that was just one of those things. So I, I, it goes back to like what you were saying earlier about hiring correctly and making sure that you get the right person for that kind of a position. This person was great in the office, but virtual was very um, challenging to me as a leader. I guess that's kind of what I was trying to say. It takes a special person to be able to do the remote thing. And communicate correctly. And, I mean, and for you going from a physical office location and, and realizing like, this isn't the direction that my team is going anymore. We're going to be remote and you just may not have a seat on that remote bus anymore. <laughs> yeah. Because, because it's just not, and, and it's it's hard to to determine whether or not you're going to keep a physical office location. And, and we came down to that Um in our Utah location, where we had one person that, you know, didn't didn't thrive at home, and we we considered keeping the location open for that one person, um, but cost breakdown just didn't make financial sense um, to have one person going in the office to work when everybody else didn't step foot in there for three months at a time. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, so, okay. So let's, let's back up this conversation a little bit. And we kind of talked about this earlier before we actually came on, but tell me when you talk about hiring the right people or hiring specifically for a virtual versus an in-person type position, tell me a little bit about how you structure your hiring to be able to get the right person. What do you do to make sure that on your end, you are getting the person who's right for your culture and for your clientele? Yeah, so uh, that's a great question. I do the initial uh, like 15, 20 minute interview just to, and it really depends on whether it's a service position or a sales position, because our agency is completely siloed into into the two different divisions and what I'm, I'm recruiting and hiring for. And I'll usually do like that initial 10, 15 minute, really brief call to just kind of sell the sexy side of insurance. If it's sales mm-hmm. or residual side, if it's service, you know, the flexibility and we have unlimited PTO and, and really just get them excited about uh, continuing on. Um, if they, if I don't sense excitement in that initial call, I already know it's not going to be a good fit Yeah, because, um, because I sell crap out of the career. Right. And as I should, right. It's, it's been so great for me as someone that got in at 19. And so I really talk about that and that, and if I don't sense it, we don't move on. And then I'll do a more in-depth second interview. Uh, and then after that, that's when they're talking and doing an interview with somebody else on, on my team, usually the operations manager, um, if it's on the servicing side. And then I, I encourage them to go onto my website, pick anybody that's on there and call and ask questions, um, about, the agency? Do we live up to the promises? Just whatever they're thinking, right? Just to get a fill. And for me personally, I've just found that if 
if someone I'm interviewing doesn't take that step, um, I don't hire them because mm. even though I don't tell them that that is a requirement, it's a requirement for me, right? Mm-hmm. That they take, and there's a lot that don't, right? They just decide not to. And but I just feel that that's an important step that that needs to be that needs to be had. I, I you know I let them know that I think it's important for them to do it, and that everybody that has has stayed with us and, and been with us and has taken that step and, and whatnot. So I've now put that into my hiring process of like, if they don't take that step, it, they, they don't get an offer from us. Mm. You know, Mike Stromso says, and I was at his conference not too long ago, and he says to be able to ask them what on our website surprised you most. And uh, because you want somebody who is going to make sure you are a good fit for them. So it's not just them looking for a job, right? They should be looking for the right place for themselves to land. And if they don't go check out the website, if they don't, like you said, maybe call uh, call a team member, ask questions. Do you know, does the business live, does the company live up to the promises that they make to their team members? That is a great addition to that concept. And I love the fact that you are focusing on people who are looking for the right space rather than just to fill a space. And I Absolutely. think that's very important. I, I mean, I kind of do this a similar thing um, just because of the volume of resumes that that we do get. I won't even open it if I, so at, at our applicant, in the bottom of the very bottom of the application process, I let them know to send me a text to my work line, letting me know that they applied and letting me know why they want to join our team. If I don't have a corresponding text to that resume, I'm like, you can't even read the directions on the <laughs> job application. I'm definitely not going to. I'm definitely not going to, I have to have that corresponding of like, I'm not even going to read this resume if, even if they have prior insurance background or crazy sales background, like if I didn't get that, I won't even send an email out and ask them to do an initial interview with me. And yeah, I'm definitely drawn to the reason that they say they want to join our team in that text. Usually an interview is scheduled based off of that more so than what their resume says. You know, I've gotten to where I almost don't even look at resumes because I want to get to know the person before I look at their background because I can teach insurance. I can teach a lot of things. I do care if they have experience down the road, like I care overall, but I don't know, especially in the first like two or three, like the first, at first, like at least the first interview or two. I'm not going to go all the way to three, but I, I don't know that I, I, I care more that they're a good culture fit and that they are going to be really good for the team and really good overall. And then I'll go down the road of um, being able to like, look at their, you know, their resume and their work history and, and all that, because I want to, I want to be able to feel that they're going to be really good team members before I worry about whether or not they know how to do a certificate of insurance, you know? Yeah. And I, I try to go back and I think we as business owners, and especially if we've been in the industry for a while, I try to go back and remember that somebody took a chance on me, right? I was a 19 year old girl. If they would have read my resume instead of just recruited me and said, I think you would be awesome. I was a swim instructor teacher and a dance teacher. Like nothing of what, if like if I opened that resume now, I would probably delete it and and move on. And so exactly what you're saying of like, okay, like, let's see if they're a cultural fit. Let's see if they have the the skill set. Because like I said, I have to remind myself that like, 
well, somebody, somebody ignored that on me and, and look where I'm at now, right? They looked past that and saw, wow, she has the personality and the traits and the market and, and all of that to be really good at this and saw mm-hmm. something that I didn't even know to look for in myself. And, mm-hmm. and so I, in bringing new talent into the industry that's outside of insurance, right? I, I try to look for skill sets and and the way that they message me and say, I want to join your team and why. And um, and then even more so, always looking for people that I'm like, that they impress me, even if it's a, a server or at a, you know, a finance, a dealership or something like that. If I'm like, wow, I was really impressed by them and they would be super good in this industry. I'm mm-hmm. going to Right. I'm going to tell them to come and talk to me. And by far, the best people on my team are not applying from an Indeed job. They're people that I was like, you need you need to talk to me. You need to hear you need to hear what what I what I'm doing and why you would be a good fit. And I, I mean, I've already pretty much made a decision on them before. <laughs> so, now, yeah, it does change a little bit. It's more me selling them on the career sometimes than than the other side. Yeah. Hello, loyal listeners. Hey, are you a local agent struggling to find markets for your client? Maybe you, maybe not. Look no further than Nation Brokerage Solutions. With over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers' ever-changing needs. With NBS, as they say it in the cool world, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business, A.K. agency. Don't settle for less. Do more with NBS. For more information about Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, visit nbsbrokerage.com. Cast certified. Yeah. So, okay, so let's say you get somebody that you really connect with that you feel like is going to be really good. Let's say that you see all the traits of a really great salesperson in them. What if they have no insurance experience? What if, like you said, they work at a dealership? What if maybe they you know, they work at Starbucks and they're just a really great, uh, you know, I mean, Starbucks does pretty well actually with all their, their benefits and financially and everything. But what if, what if you meet somebody, what if they have no insurance experience? I know you said that you like to be able to sell the industry, the career, the flexibility, the longevity of it. Tell me what you do to be able to bring somebody into the industry who does not have the experience in the industry directly. You mean to get them to like even get an interview with me? Talk to me about it. Or- well, no, just beyond the interview. Let's say you 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 agree you hire them, right? Yeah. What is kind of your process to get them up to speed to being able to be a really strong team member and to be profitable for your agency? Yeah. So the I mean the phrase that I use all the time is, and I use it with them and and everyone else. Like if you put product and market product and underwriting over marketing. The person that you bring in, and we're talking cell specific, right? Um, producer specific, you put that over marketing, your producer is always going to put underwriting and service and, you know, how to quote and all of that above marketing. So when we bring them in, we're only teaching them how to grow a book of business. We're training them on the sales side, how to, how to market, how to fill those funnels, how to build out their, 
their referral partners and center of influence. And that is 100% what we focus on. We don't train on any of it until just in time training, right? We will train you when you have a live account to quote and to propose, but not a day before that, right? Because if you have super bad call reluctance and I can't even get you, and I just invested three months on teaching you how to underwrite an account, but then you can't even get an account in front of you. I just wasted three months of my time when you're never going to make it. Right. So I'm going to, I'm going to put the pedal to the metal. I'm going to make sure that you can go out and and get the business and then I'll teach you how to do insurance, but you have to be able to, to market in this, in this career. You have to be able to talk to people and bring it in um, well before you need to understand how to do insurance. Does that scare the people that you're training though? Because do they maybe feel like they would get in a situation where they can't answer questions or how do you help them kind of get over that reluctance of feeling like this is new? Maybe I don't have all the pieces to my puzzle. How do you help them to be able to move forward without having all the pieces there? Because I think that as a, as an employer, I worry that my training almost needs to be really, really thorough. And, and I need to have a full outline and they have to have a binder and they have to have this, that, the other, right? And then you have a table of contents that shows them on this date, they will learn this, you know? And in yeah. my mind, I'm supposed to have this structure and this whatever, but how do you tell them that you're going to be working real time, boots on the streets with them, teaching them? Because insurance is one of those things, especially depending on which avenue you go, personal or commercial, it's different every day. And you're going to get different questions every day. I can't train for all the questions that somebody may end up getting, right? Like I can't, I can't do that. So um, the very first day is a full day based off of mindset and mentality, right? And understanding that, I've been in this industry for 15 years and every single day I get a question that stumps me, right? Mm -hmm. That I'm like, I have no, I have no freaking idea. And, but I know who to go to and I know how to find the answers. And so changing the mindset shift of you have people behind you that can help you find the answers and to answer any question. We just want to we just want to learn how to teach you how to market, right? First, mm-hmm. you're going to learn a lot. You're definitely not going to learn it all because like I said, I don't learn it all. Um, and, but we're going to arm you with just enough, right? Mm-hmm. Just enough to fill. And so we still have that, that structured training that you're talking about where you're saying I have to have the binder and I have to know what day one looks like and day two looks like. Ours just looks different because it's not based off of underwriting the guidelines and how do you run a quote and how do you enter into the CRM and how do you do all of this? It's how do you uh, how do you go out and build a pipeline? How do you market? How do you build referral partners? How do you send, you know, how do you take in a quote request and take in information? And here are some scripts in order to for you to do a referral blitz and tap into your market. And, and so we do have structured days. They're just not focused around, they're, they're focused around marketing. That's on the sales mm-hmm. side, right? Service side looks a lot different um, when we're onboarding somebody. And that's really just having built out a strip, like a really strong like loom library or training library to access policy changes. And, and that is something that we're revamping right now anyway. So so that everything is consistent, but it is just taking the time to have your service team build that out and really having a tight knit service team that they can 
train and ask questions and kind of help own that training and development. Yeah, and support each other too. So, you know, I think it's really important um, to tell them to ask each other questions, you know, rather than always come to me, you know, don't come to me necessarily, go talk to Sally or whoever it is in the office, yeah, right? Because I, I can't be I, that and get involved, it, you know, with all the answers, I can't be it. Yeah. So November, this would have been November of last year. I just kind of had a, I was that person as that agency owner and it's only been a year, but it's been a life-changing year. Um, I was that agency owner that would just automatically answer. Right. And I never could shut off because my team would, I was the crutch. They would ask me a question. I would answer. It would send me something at nine o'clock at night because um, they happened to be working and catching up on quotes and were stuck on something. And I was caged to my cell phone, mm-hmm. right? And constantly. And so I had to set boundaries and have conversations with my team and say, your access to me is going to change, right? These are the hours that you're going to get me. These are, you have a weekly one-on-one with me to come prepared with a bunch of questions. And then you also have a series of questions, a series of places that you have to go before you now come to me. And if those steps haven't been taken, then you're going to get an answer from me that you don't like. And it was so, it's been so hard for me to set those, but it, it's allowed me to, to be able to focus on other sides of the business and, and even just have happiness in my career again, right? I was definitely on the verge of burnout. And it was re- it was purely just because I was on 100% of the time and I was available to everyone on my team, right? And so when my team at that point was like 18, it was constant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so absolutely. Crucial conversations that had to have been, that had to be had. And um, I'm, I'm glad they happened. And did they take that well? Like, did they make that transition well? Or did you have to kind of put your foot down a couple of times and teach them specifically? Like, remember, we had this conversation. Yeah, <laughs> no, it was a, a, little bit of blend, a little bit of blend of both, right? There were some people on my team that were like, totally understand. And I hate when, and I had to, I had to adjust things myself as, as well. Right. Because oh, yeah, yeah. I would also, I mean, I was also the person that would send a message out to at nine o'clock at night and the people that I probably done that to understood a bit more where they're like, well, I hate when you do that to me too. I'm like, you're right. You're right. I need right. to set those same boundaries for myself, even though it, it, you know, it's a big deal. There's nothing that can't wait. So there were there were team there were team members that accepted it and had no problem with it. And yeah, there were definitely team members where my response had to continuously be, "Have you done this? Have you done this? Have you done this? Come back to me when you have," um, or not giving them the answer, but giving them where I knew they could go for the answer. Right. So. Um, I'm not going to give you the answer. And I would even tell them, like, I'm not going to give you the answer because I know you can go find it, but I would encourage you to reach out to so-and-so underwriter, right? Or Mm -hmm. redirect them back instead of just be like, yeah, you know, this carrier has this guideline and (laughs) and that's that's what I would do, right? And I mean, I would obsess just my personality. I'm a fix it, a fix it quick person. And so it would be like, hey, I'm having a hard time finding an appetite for this. And I mean, I would jump in the evening and go look at appetite guides and be like, mm-hmm. oh, like it looks like you can go here, here and here. And so it it really was 
it's been a good thing for, for me and for my team, right? Setting boundaries all together for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like that. I like that. And I know that I'll tell people on my end, I'll tell people, oh, you know, go ahead and call the carrier or whatever, but here's the answer. Ha! I can't do that. You know, (laughs) I think that Going back to what we were talking about, um, changing to a remote environment, I think many industries deal with the fact that when you are remote, business never shuts off, right? And that's something when you're in an office and you lock the door at five, six o'clock, you're done. You don't have access to your computer and you're not, you're not calling. And, but now it's in the other room and it's easy to hop back on. And so we have that definitely that there's so many positive sides. That's the downside was that it was too accessible to hop back on. And we all stopped respecting each other's boundaries, um, clients and, you know, whether it's your employees and or clients or, or whatnot. So um, that that's been a big challenge. Have you found that people that you bring in from outside the industry are, how do I put it? Which is your preference? Let me ask the question this way. Which is your preference to be able to hire people who have no industry experience and teach them or people who have a lot of industry experience and bringing them into the agency with the prior knowledge, which, which do you like better as far as being able to bring into your agency? Yeah. So I guess I would say I'm in between. I definitely don't like bringing somebody in that is super experienced um, and uh, try to change and bring in those, not, I wouldn't say bad habits, but just completely change how they've been doing things. Um, Mm -hmm. But I also don't necessarily love bringing in somebody that is completely, completely raw. I will if it's, um, but what I found the sweet spot specifically for me is bringing in somebody who's new to the industry, but is that understands it uh, has worked in, has worked with insurance in some sort of way. Right. So I have a, a gal on the sales side who was a, um, a loan processor, right? And she was processing a lot of hazard insurance. She knew exactly what we, you know, she knew the language enough that it was a really easy transition. I have another gal that that runs our claims um, and she was a claims adjuster. And she came in and she is on our service team and handles all claims and that process. And so that sweet spot for me is like, okay, you worked somehow along the lines of what we're doing. Um, so it's not completely foreign to you, um, but you're not also doing, bringing exactly, you know, other, other agencies, processes and systems in, into the office. So I'm a, I'm an in-betweener. You're an in-betweener. I like that yeah. though. I like that though. But I like the fact that you you hire with synergistic industries. So like you said, maybe a a, a loan, a, a, a processor for a, for a loan officer or whatever, somebody who knows a little bit about the industry, what the goals are, right? Like where does this apply and why is it required, right? And I like that because you're not, like you said, they're not completely cold turkey, but at the same point, um, they are already kind of one foot in the door, ready to kind of rock and roll. And plus, probably a lot of those people have connections to referral partners that they can go ahead and pretty much hit the ground running, being able to get some good stuff moving and be able to be successful. Because I know that that marketing, building up that pipeline is one of the hardest 
parts and maintaining it while writing business, while blah, 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 doing all those other things too. How do you teach team members to balance that? Uh, to balance the recruiting, the, the, the referral partners, the marketing and all that. And then also getting the work done, because I know you said y'all do separate out your sales and your service. I think uh, maybe what I'm asking is a little bit more of an image of what that looks like. Do they go on out, they get the information, they send it off. Does the service quote it and then bring it back to them? Or are they doing their own quoting? Are they doing their own, uh, searching for markets and so forth? Yeah. So, um, I guess, start from the top, um, you know, and how to balancing, how to balance the marketing, right? So we have three funnels that are expected to be filled. Um, The first funnel is what you bring in personally. Um, The second is what the agency sends you, right? And um, that would be, you know, if it's a website, an internet lead, or if it came from a financial advisor from firms that we partner with or, um, and, and we're sending it to you. And then the other would be uh, joint work, right? So we okay. expect that our senior, that our senior agents are tearing their book and they're passing, you know, their tier three and tier four clients to a junior and that um, there's an expectation that seniors are passing and that because they're probably not going to close that business because they're focusing on much larger accounts in tier one and tier two, and then that juniors are taking the business that is being passed. And so those three funnels are expected to be filled. And then the we did try to have the service team, somebody on the service team, like have we had a quoter uh, that would run the quotes, send them back. The problem was that it was actually not for us. It wasn't time. It, it wasn't time efficient at all because okay. what would happen is if they aren't quoting the account, especially in the high net worth, they then have to go and familiarize themselves with all of the quotes and they might as well have just quoted it themselves because now they have to go and look at at everything and how it was structured in order to do a video proposal or to do an in-person meeting, they have to familiarize themselves with it, right? It's not like we're sending out a rate. We're a, we're a really high consultative agency. We're not a churn and burn. Um, and so it that just wasn't working for us because they were spending the mm-hmm. exact same amount of time refreshing and trying to bring themselves up to speed. And so, yes, they, they are anticipated to take it from quote, from, from marketing to quote to close. And then once it's been closed and that new business checklist has been processed, it moves into the servicing division. They, they process all of the signatures, all of the underwriting, everything that needs to be uh, completed. And then the servicing from there on going forward. I love it. I love it. I love it. So, and you guys are pretty much where are you all at generally as far as you operate? Because I know that you're in Washington and Utah, kind of that northern, that northwestern side of the United States. But where do you guys generally operate out of? Like, where, where do we write business? Yeah. So we have people in California, uh, Utah, Arizona, Washington, Oregon. So we're, we're spread all out all over the place. Um, and we write business where people are, right? Because we are a referral-based agency. So in those states where we have a physical presence um, are where we write a lot of business. I love it. I love it. So what is your, 
best piece of advice to the other agency owners out there who are interested in being able to bring on new team members? Because I think that in 23, we're seeing the economy kind of shift. The, the we, you know, we have inflation, we have insurance rates are all over the place. It, you know, I mean, prices for everything's going up. My husband sells metal. I mean, metal has gone up, you know, everything else goes up, you know, because basic products are going up and so forth. What advice do you give somebody who going into 2023 wants to be able to build a little bit more of a team? Um, what what advice do you give to them as they seek out the concept of being able to hire? Yeah, um, I would say there's two things. I uh, definitely know exactly what position you are hiring for and be able to talk to that position and and know how you're going to sell that position, right? How you can make that position sexy. And um, it that comes with a lot of thought and preparation of just knowing what position, what seat on the bus do you need to fill at that point and being intentional about filling just that, right? If you're just throwing, you know, darts at the wall and hoping that they stick and you're not really intentional about the position you're going to fill, I don't think that you're going to have a ton of success um, in growing a team. But you need to know what that position is um, that your team needs next. And then uh, the next piece would be to understand the value that you bring and don't waver from it. So I I talk to a lot of agency owners and um, we don't we don't subscribe and we don't tend to have issues recruiting and hiring when we're ready to bring someone on. And I think it's because we're very clear and we know what value and we know what we bring to the table. And if you can't clearly communicate what value you're bringing and why somebody should come in and work for your team. Um, It's going to be really difficult to recruit to your team. Mm -hmm. Before you start hiring, figure out why they should pick you essentially. Absolutely. And again, you want people who are looking for a great career, right? So you want people who are actively gauging you as an agency, right? And so you don't just want people who are going to be butt warmers or seat warmers. We want people who are going to come in and really be able to settle in, be be here for a career, add to the corporation, add to the business, add to the community, add to the culture. And um, that means that we need to make sure that, 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 that we are available for them to interview us as much as they, we interview them. And, and I, and I yeah, like I mean, how we kind of mentioned that before. If you can't communicate your company culture um, or your value statement or or whatnot, then there's no way that a candidate is going to be able to to understand it and grasp it, right? If if you don't even know what it is, and so sit like sit down and figure out what your agency is doing really well, um, and what are the really important factors of your culture that you're just not willing to to waver on, and and most of the time those are gonna you're not wavering on them because those are the things that you're doing well and why your team's staying, right? Interview, yeah. figure out why they why they pick you, right? They're choosing you day in day out to to be a huge part of their life, so. What makes them happy and why do they stay? Right. That's a really good place to start if you don't. I love that. I love that. I love that because then you can, especially people that you really love on your team, right? If you want to say, oh, I want to go, I want to go duplicate this person, right? Go ask them, why are you here? I love that. Your employees are your biggest, your biggest advocates, right? And they usually refer the very best candidates. (laughs) So true. True, true. And they know each other and they know it's required to be able to get the job done. So for them to be able to say, hey, you know, and 
they got a little, they got a little skin in the game too, that if, you know, they recommend, you know, Sally to come work for you and Sally doesn't do a good job, you know, they're, you know, they want Sally to do a really good job for a lot of different reasons, you know, but also because, you know, they're part of your culture and your team and they want to share that with their, with their friend or with whoever it is that they've worked with. So I love that. Yeah. I mean, I had one gal on my team and she was like, here's everything that like I want to get rid of. And I mean, she basically wrote this job description for me, like my plate. And I was like, it's great. Actually, you know exactly who you're looking for. You go find that person and you bring them to me and, you know, you do the initial the initial interviewing because this is a very precise list. <laughs> and, right. Um, I, you know, and, and she did. And she's actually the one that found our, you know, the claims representative and um, that was in claims that fit all of those those buckets and um, and it works out. So lean on yourself awesome. a bit more. I love it. I love it. Well, Jessica, if people have questions for you or PRG Insurance, um, how can they reach out to you? How can they connect with you to be able to ask you any questions they might have? Yeah, no, email is probably the best way to get me. Uh, it's jessica at pcrginsurance.com. Perfect. Jessica at pcrginsurance.com. That's All it. right. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on with us today, talking to us about hiring, about culture, about being able to bring the right people in. I think this is going to make a big difference in a lot of people listening because I know hiring can be very, very emotionally challenging. But when you get the right people in, it is so freeing for an agency as well to have the right people in the right positions for an agency. A hundred percent. All right. Well, this has been another amazing episode of the Power of Women in Insurance podcast. Please join us every single Wednesday as we have a brand new episode. Check us out. We are on Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, anywhere that your favorite podcasts are streaming. And check out Jessica as well, because she is amazing. (laughs) And she has a ton of wonderful things to be able to add to any conversation. Everybody, we'll talk to you next week and have a really great one. Bye. Thanks for having me. (laughs) 